Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. I look forward to Mondays every week because it's Cray News with K. On a, I didn't do the little flashy thing. Hold on, let me do the flashy thing. It's Cray <laughs> News with K on a Monday. It's K Smythe. How are you, K? Good to see you. Feels so much better now that I got the flashy thing. Hey, well, for introduction. It was like a just like, like it was a cut show. It'll not want that. We want the flashy thing. We <laughs> need to have that. My goodness. All right. Um, there's so much going on in the world. And uh, I've been talking about Israel and what would be Palestine nonstop. Even went away for a couple of days this weekend and listened to X Spaces the entire time, which are, by the way, it's like the new rodeo. It's like, whoa, wait a second. This guy's in Israel. This guy's in Ireland. This, this lady's in Rome. And we're all having a conversation in real time. It's kind of amazing. It's also kind of scary because you've got people with huge bot farms on X that'll pretend they've got a 16,000-member space and it's really not, and they're just perpetrating disinformation. So let me start with something that you didn't know we are going to talk about. Okay. How do you, as somebody in media for more than 10 years, as somebody who is a journalist, also a commentator, also a story writer, also a statistician, for God's sakes, I mean, you're great at all of these things. How do you know that what you're seeing and hearing is real? Because those watching and listening to us right now aren't sure what to believe right now. Wow, that is a great question. And I'm going to be a complete tool and totally not really answer this for you. Okay. And give you it's I'm going to give you one of those answers, like a when you know, you know. So the closest thing that I can come to explaining how I, for whatever reason, throughout my career and throughout my personal life have been able to just sort of go with my gut instinct on many things um it's it's the only thing i've ever read is like malcolm gladwell wrote a book once called blink and there are just some people who have the ability to just know in their gut and they trust that immediately you know you hear about these self-help people being like oh you've got to manifest oh you've got to trust your gut blah 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 all that is is your innate instincts the instincts that god gave you that are gradually sort of tuned out of our consciousness sort of the older we get i think like it's all like your fight or flight responses it all sort of like lives in the amygdala part of the brain and so when i know something like that when i get that innate feeling then i know something is true but up until that point i will look at as much data as i can available to me and then i look at the people who are feeding me that data that is the most important place to start if you're you know, like say you're one of those people who wakes up and you read Reuters, AP, CNN, um, maybe the BBC, and then, yeah, you'll go over there and you'll maybe give, you know, Fox a little go. You'll read those headlines. Maybe you'll tune into like the New York Post, maybe some other kind of Murdoch press. And you think, okay, I've gotten all of this information now. I sort of understand what's really going. No, you don't. All you're reading is someone else's propaganda that's telling you how to think, feel, and act about a certain situation. If you want real news, I would go to the smaller outlets. I would go to anything that's not extreme mainstream and owned by like 12 different parent companies that have a million different, you know, board, all this, you know, the busier it is, the less news you're going to get. That's the way I kind of look at it. Well, I, um, I think I think you're right, and I would also add to that, if you don't mind, I would add to that a smaller outlet that is trying to make its bones in the business, and they're there. If you if they're not in Israel, 
if they're not in Tel Aviv or Jerusalem or even Egypt or even in what would be Palestine, then you're not getting anything that an eyewitness saw. You're getting a fourth or fifth or, or sixth person and then some freaking you know, um, editor says, or, okay, let's change this, that, and the other, and I'll make you a headline, don't worry about it. And, and I mean, that's, you're right. That's the machinery, isn't it? If you don't have somebody who's there that you know is not somehow tied to some gigantic corporation that's got to make Big Pharma or Big Somebody Else happy, then you're probably not getting the real story. Yeah, and like right now we're looking at those sort of like news organizations and politicians and these private sector stakeholders that all have a huge amount of crossover who lost a massive income source with Biden's botched withdrawal of Afghanistan. We knew another war was coming. I think the sort of public very much turned against any kind of involvement on our part in Ukraine-Russia from both sides, right? Like when you sort of looked at the uh, side of us sort of saying like, we don't want to go in and have troops on the ground in Ukraine because that'll exacerbate things. And then there's the other side of us who are going like, yeah, that's the only reason that we think this is even happening is literally just to exacerbate things, make one person more powerful and make a lot of people incredibly rich. That's really the only reason that half of these wars go on. And then we're looking at, you know, what's happening now in Israel and the Gaza Strip. Like this morning, the only people that I went and listened to about this, I listened to Daniel Cohen over at Newsmax, who's on the ground right now in Tel Aviv, reporting on this stuff. And then I also listened to an interview with a 17-year-old Israeli boy who shot the interview literally in his car in the war zone on his way to Gaza to protect his family and his friends who had just lost one of his best friends in the last week, like in front of him, like wouldn't even speak about it on television. Like these are the kinds of people that you need to listen to. And I think you need to listen to people who, yeah, like you, who are going to make money off war games. Right. I just had a Julio Rosas on. He's a, an independent journalist who's in Tel Aviv, and he gave us the real story. He gave us what he saw, what people are saying to him, what he smelled, what he touched. This is what a journalist does. And then you've got Elon Omar, the the so-called U.S. representative from Minnesota, who who reposted or retweeted a video or a picture, so-called Palestinian deaths because of Israel, that was literally from Syria 10 or 11 years ago. That's what they're doing. They're perpetrating this lie because they know they'll eventually get community noted or they'll eventually get called out by you and me. But they also know that how many thousand, 5,000 retweets on that before community notes caught it? And how many of those 5,000 now believe the dead, you know, so-called Palestinians that were really Syrians that were killed by their own government in those gas attacks several years ago? That's what I mean. Because you are above reproach. I know that you write commentary, but you also make sure that you're correct in what it is that you're basing it on. And that's that's like a lost a lost profession somehow. It, it is, but I think a lot more people get into news media who weren't talented enough to be like dancers, singers, definitely dancers. That's what it was. You'd be we, amazed. You got a bunch of there dancers and singers. so many people. Joe, there are so many people who are like insanely famous in conservative news media who are literally failed dancers. It is the weirdest thing. Um, <laughs> but that's a story for another day. I am not uh, a failed dancer, no by the way. I am not. In that regard, you know, <laughs> yeah, I... so I never pursued it. But no, a lot of people get into this line of work because they think it's another way to get famous. Yeah. And for a lot of people, it is. There's like... There's a reason why I only do the Joe Pags show. I'll I'll hop on to uh, Laura Trump's show. Love her. She's an absolute yeah, she's angel. Um, I'll do Carl Higby's show on Newsmax. 
But aside from that, like, I don't really want to go and just be a jester on someone else's screen. Like, I know that I want to be able, like, if I'm going to be a jester, I'm going to come on this show and try and make people laugh while informing people. I'm going to be a jester. I'm going to go on Carl's show because I know that he, in all the rest of the time that I'm not on air, all Carl does is fight to make this country better. I know you do the same thing. But that's two people, three people out of, I don't even know how many. It's, it's thousands and thousands and thousands. And and by the way, thank you for continuing to come on. And thank you for, for you're, you're not the jester. You're not the jester. But I, I will tell you this. And we talk about this all the time. Um, after I have you on, I can have some really famous member of Congress on the same day. And you've got twice the views that they have. And if you're not on, they're like, where's Kay today? <laughs> like, oh, shut up. She was busy. I don't know. You know, and so, I mean, uh, honestly, uh, we, we appreciate you doing it. But also, if you weren't righteous and above reproach of what it is that you bring, people wouldn't get that from you. They wouldn't get that enjoyment, whether you, you're a, for, a former dancer or not, which you're not. You're not a failed dancer, right? No, I can't even touch my toes. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a dancer yeah. either. If I have my saxophone in my hand, I can dance a little bit to the beat. That's it. No more dancing for this guy. It's Kay Smythe. Go oh. to KaySmythe.com. Read everything she does over on The Daily Caller. You see her on, as she said, on Newsmax. You see her here. We love that she comes on. Let's talk about the idea of food shortages in developed nations just doesn't resonate. My brain doesn't go there because I grew up in a developed nation, the best nation on the planet, in my opinion. And I never, ever thought we would think about food shortages. Fill me in. Yeah. So food shortages is probably certainly one of my biggest fears. Um, and the people that I work with in sort of the field of apocalypse research, that's pretty much what we think is going to happen. Like that's what's going to tip the scales, as it were, in terms of uh, really pushing that civil unrest short of like, you know, a massive nuclear strike or something like that. So basically, in the United States and across the rest of the world, we have absolutely no means of tracking where our food comes from, how much of it is grown, how it gets to our stores, how much of it gets thrown out. You'll see very like broad picture stats, you know, oh, like every household wastes like three potatoes a day or something like that, you know, um, that we're going to get yelled at and therefore we must recycle bits of plastic. But the real issue sort of behind all of these like climate fear type, you know, you must reduce, reuse, recycle headlines is the fact that our food security doesn't exist because our food systems are so mismanaged that we don't know what we're supposed to be managing in the first place. So like when COVID hit, for example, the first thing I said, I remember sitting in a pub in Los Angeles, the lockdowns literally hit that day. There's three of us in there, including the bartender. I said, the first thing that's going to happen is we're going to see some empty shelves. If we have, Joe, you and I right now and every single person listening, we are nine meals away from societal collapse. That's breakfast, lunch and dinner for three days. If you leave people without food and without access to food for three days, they start eating their neighbors. Maybe not in terms of like exactly but not far off like that's when you see people start to form malicious that's my, na- my neighbor doesn't look tasty down. so i hope it doesn't get to that well okay let me ask you the the obvious question how did we get here when we used to grow our food we would hunt and gather we would make sure that we had sustenance for our families and ourselves for any length of time we used to store the food we used to have it for a long three three days is ridiculous it would be three years we would have stuff that were canned and pickled and everything else How did we get here? How did we lay back on our laurels? And not you specifically, nor me. I still live in a rural area, so do you. And we could hunt and gather if we had to. 
But how did we get here to where we believed reliance on central government made sense for the things we need to live? So I think it really started after the war effort. Like, I want to say like World War One, maybe even like a little bit before. Because around that time, the turn of the last century, you know, we'd had most of our major industrial revolution. Like we did pretty much everything that we needed to up until, you know, we did like penicillin and the technological boom. So you had like a handful of individuals. I'm going to say like J.P. Morgan, the Rockefellers, um, definitely the Rothschilds, though you might get pinged on uh, YouTube and stuff for me bringing them that's up. True, that seems to true. be a common trend. But I'll, what we I'll beep was, it out. I'll beep it out. Yeah, that one family, the other R family. Right. But uh, these, you know, them and a handful of other individuals realize that they can make a huge amount of money by instead of providing people with what they actually needed to survive. They basically would give people just enough to sustain themselves in such a way that they became dependent on the state. So that's when you had sort of growth of the public school system, which wasn't designed to educate. Like people are significantly stupider as a result of the public education system today. Like you said, we forgot all of these skill sets that would have otherwise been handed down to us through family members, through community. So we had the public okay, they, they literally system. used to teach that in public school, how to, how to plant seeds. In fact, they would hand, when I was a kid, not that damn long ago, when I was a kid, they would hand us little bags of seeds. And I lived in Long Island, New York, where it's more of a, 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 an urban area. And still we would go and plant a, you know, an apple seed in the backyard or some green beans or whatever it was. We're not even teaching that anymore. I will bet there is a, a large percentage of this generation, the current generation, that doesn't know where food comes from. Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm, I, I heard a statistic once. I don't know if this is true. Um, I think it is, though, which is really sad. But, like, there are children in this country who don't know anything but fast food. They don't know that you can make food at home. Now, usually that sort of lifestyle has to do more with um, income, and it's more to do with, like, you see a lot of working mothers have to go through this when, right. you know, dads abandon them, dads in prison, whatever. Um it's really, it's one of the saddest things I think we've done. And I think, although I'm incredibly grateful, you know, me and John, we both grew up with families who taught us a lot of this stuff. Yeah. I would say 99% of my education in how to run my land and certainly in terms of how, you know, John would run the farm, all of that came from family. None of that has come from like even like YouTube videos. Like you're supposed to know this stuff because it's the most important thing. I I treat most of my friends and mine's ailments with like random stuff that I know exists, like herbs and all that sort of stuff. You know, witch doctoring, if you will, because it works, and you don't have to go and spend money on big pharma, and you don't have to go you don't have to hurt yourself more to be healed. And I think that's something medicine really ignores. Like, say I go to the doctor today, I say, hey, I've got like, I don't know, diabetes. They're more likely to prescribe me Ozempic than they are to tell me to stop eating so much crap and that my diabetes will literally go away. And by the way, they were so effective in the messaging that if you said, why don't you just tell me a better diet, they would say, I'm not allowed to fat shame you. And so, so the pharmaceutical companies, they're not stupid. They want to sell more of the drug, and therefore we have to vilify anybody who would say, well, it's the way you're eating, dummy. Mm -hmm. It's disgusting. Crazy? It's disgusting. It's it greed. Is. It's greed at the expense of our humanity. 
Okay, you know? this is a very heavy subject. It's Kay Smythe, by the way. K-S-M-Y-T-H-E. The E is because she's from Wales. Um, <laughs> dot com. Go and follow her everywhere. G- give me less than a minute, if you can, on what this billionaire hedge fund um, uh, manager is saying about World War Three. Oh, yeah. Apparently, we're like 50% closer to it. So right now, we've got hot wars. This is from Ray Dalio. Yeah, he's a multi-billionaire uh, hedge fund manager. He... Initially, was concerned, obviously, when Russia, Ukraine, that all kicked off. That's what's known as a hot war. There's lots of violence. There's actual ground warfare, things like that. Um, And when that happened, he was like, okay, we're at like a 30% risk of the whole world going to war, just as a result of this one war. Um, Now the uh, Hamas, the terrorist organization, has decided to invade Gaza and slaughter people um predominantly israelis but also palestinians i'm sure and probably people who aren't either of them um now he's saying that we're at about a 50 percent risk of going to a world war three state in a hot war but realistically that's gonna have to take on like us and china basically have to start actual ground warfare for it to be world war three but we are 50 percent closer to that than we were well, I hope that he's wrong, and I hope it's the other 50% that we do have peace on this planet at some point. It's Kay Smythe. Go to KaySmythe.com. Check out everything she writes at The Daily Caller. Also, check her out on Newsmax TV, and we love having her here every Monday at least. Kay, thank you. Let's talk soon. You're the best. Thank you. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is The Joe Pag Show. Appreciate Kay coming on. Great information. Yeah, we, we go down the rabbit hole, World War III and food shortages and everything else. And I think talking about it makes us get better prepared for how to avoid it. No, we shouldn't have any food shortages. And yes, we should be teaching the next generation how to cultivate food and make sure you can hunt and gather and so on. Uh, and certainly we should not want World War III. And we've got to be very careful when you've got somebody as progressive and liberal as this administration in there because things around the world start getting very, very messy. All right, we got to get out of here. We're back tomorrow, same time, same place. Really appreciate you hanging out. Make sure you go and follow on social media, Instagram and YouTube. It's Joe Talk Show. Also on X, on TikTok, it's Joe Pags. That's Sam. That's Kurt in for Polo. That's Carrie. I'm Joe. We'll see you tomorrow night. Have a good night. Bye. This is the Joe Pags Show.